Yellich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich, he has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Get up here and go! Ryan Braun, he just hit a walk-off What's going on, Ball and Globe loving Brewer fans? Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast, which is affiliated with Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter, at Tyler Kurth, and find my writing by following reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is my cheesehead-loving buddy, Trevor. He is the host of the Packers Trilogy Podcast and can be found on Twitter, at Bender underscore Trevor. Today, we have the Cubs Series Recap. And we're going to get Trevor's thoughts on the Orlando Arcia trade. So before we get to all that, how are you doing over there, buddy? I feel like, A, I haven't talked to you in eternity, and B, I haven't seen you in eternity. Yeah, it, it's been a while, unfortunately. Schedules just have not worked it out recently for us. Been kind of crazy. Staying busy. I'm glad I've gotten to watch at least some Brewers baseball. Uh, the Arcia move, I will say, surprised me. I was I was not ready for that at all, and it definitely like big time spotlight on Urias moving forward for the rest of this season. I think the the spotlight is on him because, and I don't think it's wrong that David Stearns is like, we don't think Arcia is got it. He gets it for a little bit, and then it's gone for half the year, and then he'll get it another week, and then it's gone again. Um, so. I think it was right for them to move on, but it definitely puts the spotlight on a yet another unproven bat. Yeah, you're absolutely right, because I think this is going to be a little bit of a roller coaster with Urias here, because he could go O for his next 30, and we have no other options but to keep playing him at this point. So we're going to learn what kind of hitter he is in the MLB pretty quick here this season. So... I don't know. If if he falters, they're going to have to make a trade or something because Terang is not ready in the minor leagues. There isn't really any major league ready options down in AAA. So hopefully he pans out. I think he's got the potential to. Off to a little bit of a slow start this year, but it's going to be fun to see what we got in him. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully that makes him for lack of a better term, really step up to the plate and and play well. We know he's going to be solid defensively. We just need him to step up a little bit offensively, but I don't think it's as big of a need as it was, say, last year, that we needed that shortstop position to do something because literally everyone else was not doing anything. Um, And now you have guys like, Colton Wong, Jackie Bradley Jr. on the roster, you know, your outfield's four deep. And offensively, you feel pretty good about every other position on the field. So it's not a huge need because you do have some more stability, I personally think, um, in the offense. Um, But it would be nice to have a nice solid eight hitter there or 
you know, seven, whatever he ends up being, it would be nice to get some production out of him. But the nice thing, even though he is in the spotlight, I do think with this roster around him, I think that also helps him um, a little bit. So it's not quite as bright as it otherwise would have been. Yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head with that last statement right there. And getting rid of Arcia like now provides Urias with this, it's a sense of security, right? Like he knows he can go out and have a bad stretch couple of games and he's not going to get benched for it. He's going to keep getting these opportunities. Obviously, I hope that doesn't happen, but it's bound to happen at some point here. And that's just how baseball works. And as I said, he's off to a little bit of a slow start anyway. So let's transition into the Cubs series here. We have our first series win of the year. Fuck the Cubs. Good thing it came against them. So we'll get into the recaps. Game one started off with a loss, the only loss of the series that was 5-3. to three. The first three innings were by far the quickest I can remember in recent memory. Both pitchers went nine up and nine down. In fact, Brett Anderson didn't even generate a swing or miss the first time through the lineup. So he was just generating a ton of ground balls, a lot of early contact. But unfortunately, in the fourth inning, he allowed a leadoff walk. And then that was followed by a trio. Yes, a trio of home runs in one inning. Three of them. So (laughs) that was not good. He allowed six home runs all of last season. So the fact he gave up three in one inning is just absolutely bizarre. On the offensive side, the Brewers remained hitless until the sixth inning, which constantly is a theme for this Brewers team. It kind of felt like at that point. Uh, But Omar Narvaez ended up breaking up the no-hitter. In the seventh inning, he also demolished a baseball from Jason Adam over the right center field wall. That is how the Brewers scored all three of their runs on that one swing of the bat. After that, it was three to four Cubs, and the Brewers sent forth Devin Williams in. This was his season debut, and it was really rather rough. His velocity started off down near the 93-mile-per-hour range, but towards the end of the inning, you saw it up near 97 Struggled with command, ended up giving up an RBI triple to Eric Sogard, the former Brewer, who hit a changeup into the right field corner. Uh, he beamed Wilson Contreras. That was really kind of scary. And eventually only recorded two outs and reached a pitch count of 22 pitches. So rough debut there for Devin Williams. Uh, thankfully, J.P. Feierheisen was able to bail him out of the inning, ended up pitching a score of eighth, eighth inning as well, and unfortunately, the Brewers were not able to push across any runs as they lost the series opener. Game two was a Freddie Peralta start in which they won 4-0. to zero. Peralta technically making his first start of the year, but it was his second appearance. And in this day, on this day, Craig Council elected to start five left-handed batters at the top of the order. So Kesson Hira gets a rest day, Dan Vogelbach's in at first base. Uh, going back to Peralta, he pitched pretty well. Went five innings of one-hit baseball, walked four batters, a little bit of concern there, but struck out eight. Threw his breaking ball a ton, which likely accounts for the fact that's why he only gave up one hit and walked a lot of batters. The Brewers' offense actually got going early, had some first-inning runs as Travis Shaw had a three-run homer to the opposite field. In the fourth inning, Narvaez hit a solo homer. That was his second home run in as many days. And then from the fourth until the ninth inning, the Brewers' offense went dormant and hitless. But it really went to matter because after Peralta, Suter pitched three scoreless innings, and then Boxberger got the 
ninth inning and wasn't a save, but was able to record the outs in dramatic fashion as Wilson Contreras was beamed again, and that resulted in the benches clearing. So uh, I was Wilson Contreras leaning into pitches and stirring up some controversy. So fun ending to that game. And then the finale was a day game, a 4-2 Brewers win. Started off as a pitcher's duel, was between Woodruff and Hendricks. Woodruff took a no-hitter into the sixth inning, and then he gave up his first and only hit of the day. Ended up going seven innings in total, struck out eight batters on just 74 pitches. The offense didn't come to life until the eighth inning. Lorenzo Cain had a leadoff homer. But then in the bottom of the eighth, the Cubs countered back with a leadoff homer of their own from Jock Peterson, and that came off Devin Williams. With the game tied at 1-1, to the Brewers used Josh Hader in the bottom of the ninth to send it into extra innings. He threw 18 pitches in that ninth inning, and Lorenzo Cain again came up clutch in the tenth, hit a three-run bomb to dead center field, and I'm guessing due to pitch count, he did not leave Hader in for the bottom of the tenth. So J.P. Feierheisen came in, got two really quick outs, and then all of a sudden just lost his command. Ended up walking a few batters, ended up giving a couple hits. Next thing you know, the bases were loaded. It's 4-2, to two, and Council calls upon Brad Boxberger to get the final out of the game, which he successfully did and technically gets a save. So with that, the Brewers took two out of three games against the Cubs, Lorenzo Cain became the first player in Brewers history to hit two go-ahead home runs in the eighth inning or later. So there's your fun trivia for the day. So now that I'm winded, Trevor, what were your thoughts on the series? So I, I was telling Tyler before this, so I'll be honest with our listeners as well. I definitely watched one out of baseball <laughs> in this series. Um, I was only able to catch the last out of the last game. So I tuned in when I got home uh, from work, and there was, like I said, two outs and runner on first. And then I almost turned off the game because I was like, well, shit, it was going a lot better before I turned it on. Um, but we got out of it, and that's okay. I think it's kind of funny that J.P. Feierheisen gets a hold for that as a, as a stat that's just kind of funny because he almost didn't hold it. Um, But overall, the series was a successful one. Anytime you take two or three from the Cubs, it's good. Sweep obviously would have been better. But um, overall, I think there was a lot to like. But there's still some issues. Like there's issues in my eyes Devin Williams' start to the year is scaring me. We have some struggling sticks to start the year as well. And it's just something that, yes, we can expect Devin Williams to pitch a lot better than this. Um, but it, it really sucks to see so many offers or onefers for the sticks in the lineup. You know, Colton Wong, Keston Hira, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, Urias were either 0-4 or 1 for however many at-bats. And then Robertson was also 1 for 7. I, I hate seeing that. Like, it was a lot of the production. Obviously, all of it came from Lorenzo Cain in the one game that he actually played in. He was 2 for 5 with two home runs, and all of those runs uh, drove in in that 4-2 to victory. 
And then Christian Yelich was four for 10, three walks. I'd like to see his strikeouts down a little bit. But between them two and Omar Nervias, that was pretty much the offense the entire series. You throw in the Travis Shaw home run, but he was one for eight, so he wasn't much better. Um, He just had the one home run. But it was Yelich, Nervias, and Kane. And we were talking about it to start the show of – you kind of trust most of the hitters in this lineup. And based on, you know, those statistics I just ran off of how many guys didn't get any hits, that's frustrating and discouraging to me that, you know, you want to trust the rest of your lineup so much and make it easier for Urias. But in this series, um, and really so far this season, we haven't quite seen that depth that I thought we were getting. Yeah, I get exactly what you're talking about. Like, obviously, the struggles of Kesson here are very well documented around Brewers Twitter so far. O of 19, 10 strikeouts. Yeah, that's going to get people talking. So there's all that. I'm kind of confused with the Devin Williams struggles early on. Obviously, there's no way he was going to pitch near the level he was last year because that is just absolutely insane. But his command just does not look good whatsoever in his first two outings here. I can't tell if he's overthrowing or if he's just trying to locate pitches too, you know, trying to be too fine with his pitches. Not really sure, but he's not throwing a lot of strikes, not being very efficient, and needs to figure it out here pretty quick. Hopefully these were just a couple of of tune-up outings. I don't know if if that counts or not. Like, I'm trying not to, like, just say this is what's happening, but... You know, when you have the type of season you had the year before that Devin Williams had, he's probably trying to live up to some expectations. And like you said, maybe he's trying to control the ball a little too much or, you know, he's a little too amped up and throwing a little too hard. He can't control it or something like that where he wants to continue this trend and he's trying really, really hard to continue it. And he's not just going out there and throwing the baseball like he's very, very good at. And I think it might be a factor of he's just thinking too much and thinking about keeping how good he was pitching last year up. Um, I think he just needs to go out there, relax, and throw, and he'll be fine because he's got the stuff to do it. Um, And I would guess it's either that or some sort of mechanical or grip thing he changed and it's just not working and they maybe they switch him back those are the two things i'm thinking of maybe it's just a tune-up like you were saying tyler but hopefully this he comes out of this very very soon yeah because that'll certainly be something to watch here because the brewers are in a stretch of like 12 straight divisional games so you you want to win as many of these games as possible and Devin Williams being that bridge to hater is obviously a big part of that. And I think J.P. Fires has potential to be that with how he's pitching. Obviously, when you watched him today, you wouldn't have guessed that. But up until where all of a sudden he lost it with two outs in the 10th inning today and gave up a couple walks, he's been pitching really well all spring training and throughout the regular season here so far. So one guy to keep your eye on there. You were talking a little bit about the offense and, you know, kind of the depth and the consistency of it, but I, and you're not, not as impressed as kind of the words you used, but I also want to think like the fact, like we haven't seen like this offense rely completely upon Christian Yelich so far, like Travis Shaw came up big in the first win against the Cubs in that second game. 
he was the guy who stepped up that day. Granted, it came in the first inning. You never know when a big moment's going to happen, but it was that was his day. Today, it was Lorenzo Cain driving in all the runs. So I do think it's important to think back like, yeah, we're not all collecting as many hits as we would like, but we have veteran players who you never know when one of them is going to step up and, and win you a game on any given day because I think a lot of them have the potential to do that. Yeah, and I I don't disagree with you. I think Yelich is still producing. He's just not, um, at least in this series, he was producing, right? He, he just wasn't getting the truly productive runs or productive hits, more like it. Um, I mean, four for ten, got on base an additional three times um, via the walks. So, you know, that's around 54% on base percentage. So, yeah, that that's pretty damn good. Um, and he's not going to hit 400. He's not going to have a on-base percentage over 500. That's not going to happen throughout a year. But that's some good stats. I would like to see um, more productive outs. Of the six times he got out, five of them were strikeouts. That part of it's a little concerning. Um, but Yelich will be Yelich. Yelich is not going to be the Yelich we saw last year. Um, he will get somewhere close to that 2018-2019 Christian Yelich. It just hasn't been overly productive because I think the guys ahead of him haven't been overly productive, especially in this series. Not a lot of production right in front of him. And then the production that was in front of him was Lorenzo Cain just smashing the ball out of the ballpark. So that doesn't really leave him any opportunities, which is which is fine when Lorenzo Cain is is getting four runs across the plate. That's that's always awesome. But yeah, we'll we'll have to see. And I do think there will always be this kind of veteran stepping up, doing what they need to do, like you mentioned. Um, I just like to see a little bit more consistency from everyone a little bit more often. It's not going to be like everyone's going to hit 300, but let's let's just not have the big, um, you know, multiple guys having the offers. Like I said, Colton Wong, JBJ, Keston Hira were 0 for 6 was Wong. JBJ and Hira were 0 for 8, with both with 4Ks. That stuff can't happen. There's going to be a guy like that every series. But that shit can't happen. Oh, yeah. Back to here again. Yikes. <laughs> uh, it's kind of interesting because Lorenzo Cain, it was announced he didn't play in the first two games of the series because he was ailing from an oblique injury, supposedly, and then all of a sudden comes out in the finale and mashes home runs. So I'm kind of interested to see what that playing time in the outfield looks like during this upcoming Cardinal series. So I don't mean to jump ahead to that, but Christian Yelich has played all the games in the outfield so far, and... I think Craig Council wants to try and get each of Garcia, uh, Kane, and JBJ two starts per series. But, you know, when Lorenzo Kane's doing that, he could find his way back up towards the top of the order, which is where I think he belongs, really. So either him and Wong, one or two, however you want to mix and match it, I think getting Kira out of that two-hole will go a long ways towards us. Brewers offensive lineup because Hira the way he's playing so far does not deserve to be in that two spot yikes Hira will be fine Brewers Twitter calm down (laughs) he is a good hitter hitters go through streaks like this all the time yes we were complaining about Christian Yelich's bad streaks last year but you're 
saying you would take fucking Dan Vogelbach over Keston Hira. You want to take out Keston Hira, who's going to figure out his shit and is going to be a fa- the face of the franchise or a second face of the franchise for this team, at least offensively. And you want to put in Chris Farley into hit? <laughs> Come on. Like, I, I get being frustrated with Keston. I'm frustrated with Keston. But give the chance, give the guy a chance. He's had 19 at bats. What is he going to get this year? 600 of them? Let him figure it out. It is early. Calm down. Keston's the better player. He should get more of the at bats. A day off here and there to try to get his mind right, get him ready to get back to hitting is fine. But don't start acting like Dan Vogelbach's the better option because he's not. He can't play first, and he's nowhere near the same hitter as Keston Hira. So calm down. It's going to be okay. Keston will be better. And it's just calm down, Brewers Twitter. You're you're making us look crazy, and I don't like it. <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> the, the other thing I see all the time is, oh, fire Andy Haynes. Like, it's his fault the hitters aren't hitting. Like, Andy <laughs> Haynes was here in 2019 when Christian Yelch should have won MVP before that stupid foul ball went off his kneecap. And last year, you're going to chalk that up as a wash, and we're six games into the year. Like, you're not going to fire a coach six games in the year. I think Andy Haynes is a fine coach, and you're going to be happy with him when it's all said and done. So I agree. And the, Bru- not gonna and the Brewers are 3-3. Three and three. Right. It's, it's not like we're 0-6. It's not like we haven't gotten any runs the whole year. Take a little break. It's six games, and it's not like we have 60 this year, and it's a the, each game is more important. We have 162, plenty of time to figure this shit out, and like I just said, we're 3-3, three and three and we beat the team we needed to. We, we won the series that we needed to out of those two. So look up, realize it's not the end of the world. It's okay. Keston Hira is allowed to have a couple bad games couples uh, he he can have three four series of just not good baseball because you know we're going to get peak Keston Hira the next you know however many series after that because that's what baseball is guys struggle for a while and then they break out of it and are insanely good for a while that's just what baseball is there's no real consistency even when Christian Yelich won his MVP he won his MVP because he was unreal in September. And he wasn't hitting like that all year, but that September was absolutely crazy for the Brewers in general. And he was able to figure it out and carry the team into the playoffs. So I just think I think people just need to calm down and, and we'll be we'll be fine. This team is gonna coalesce and you know, this outfield rotation is going to get nailed out. We're going to figure out, you know, who should be in that leadoff role. Lorenzo <laughs> Kane. Move move Hira down. Like, I don't like Hira in the second spot. I don't like Yelich in the second spot. Give me them two, three, four. In my eyes, it's Kane, Wong, Yelich, Hira. Because Hira is a good hitter, but I feel he is more a four hitter than he is a two or a three hitter. Like, he is a guy that is going to strike out a lot. 
and he's going to hit a lot of home runs. So why isn't he in that four spot? And then he's after Christian Yelich. You know, it just gives him a lot of, I think that that spot in the order makes a lot of sense. And you have Kane and Wong in front of Yelich, who's going to um, make teams pay because that I just think that's the right order as of right now until Keston figures it out. Maybe you move him up after that, but I I think that's the right order to go in for the batting order moving forward, but we know it's going to change day-to-day, week-to-week, series-to-series, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I couldn't agree more almost with the order, except I'd put Wong first. That way you don't have two lefties in a row. And it's because of the opposite of you said, so that always makes me, <laughs> makes me laugh. So, <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank the Lordy there's 162 games to be played this year because no one's going to notice as much an 0-19 streak in the middle of the season, but right now it's just magnified. So we're going to leave it at that for now. Let's get into our series MVP and series dud. Now, I know you're a positivity type of person here, so who do you got for series MVP first? I've been struggling with this, Tyler, and I think I got to go with my boy, Locaine. He comes back, like you mentioned, from the apparent oblique injury and comes back, goes two for five, two home runs, and literally is the offense in the third game, in the rubber match. Like you mentioned earlier, two go-ahead home runs in the eighth inning or later. It's It was an incredible performance, and now I do think there was another incredible performance in this game that helped lead to this victory. Um, but... I just, I had to go with my boy, Locaine, because I wasn't sure you were going to go with him. So I had to give him the MVP because I'm guessing you were giving the MVP to the other MVP of this game. (laughs) Ah, no, actually, I'm keeping Brandon Woodruff on my honorable mention list for now. He was my honorable mention. (laughs) Yeah, even though, yes, Woodruff was incredible. Seven innings, one hit ball, eight strikeouts. But I think I'm going to bring my MVP into Omar Narvaez just because he was the offense in the first two games. He broke up the no-hitter in Game 1, had home runs in Games 1 and 2 of this series, didn't get the start in Game 3. Manny Pena was behind the plate, so I think he did end up pinch-hitting at one point. So unfortunately, his home runs and consecutive game streak is over, so dang it, so much for pinch-hitting. But he should continue, I think, to get at least two starts behind home plate with his early success uh, offensively here to begin with. Uh, My last honorable mention alongside of Brandon Woodruff for this series was Brad Boxberger. Not going to look at him him and be like, oh, that was all that impressive. But in game two of the finale, he came in and it was four to zero. He beamed Wilson Contreras right in the head (laughs) on the first one. Oh no, that was Devin Williams. He still beamed Wilson Contreras anyway, um, but ends up remaining calm and, picking up, you know, getting the outs and securing that win, and then cleans up J.P. Feierheisen's mess. So veteran player, he has closing experience. We talked about that all offseason long, and now we're seeing why he is useful in these late-game situations. So I think that deserves a little bit of recognition. Did you have anyone else on your honorable mention list, or do you want to switch to duds? 
Yeah, I had actually two players. I just wanted to, I talked about him a little bit earlier, but Christian Yelich, I just wanted to mention because, again, 400 for the series, on-base percentage of like 540, something like that. Um, so a good series from him, not a productive in terms of runs, but an overall good series. Don't think it was really worth mentioning with, you know, Woodruff, Kane, Nervias, but he is on my list as well. And the other guy I wanted to mention, it's not because his stat line was impressive. He was actually not very effective, but Freddie Peralta, five innings pitched. He did have the four walks, right? But this is what I was talking about when I when we were talking about who our starting rotation is. Freddie Peralta can be a starting pitcher, and this helped. I feel like it helped my argument that he can do this. He's not just a bullpen arm. Um, he can do this, and I just hope he continues this way. Because if this is what we get from him, five innings pitched and little to no runs given up, that's fine. Like that, that will work as a fourth to fifth starter. Hopefully he can grow into more than that, but you can deal with that. You can deal with a five inning start, especially nowadays, no runs given up. You can deal with that. Even if it's not the most efficient work on the mound, you know, 91 pitches, not very efficient, but when you got guys like Brent Suter who can come in and pitch three after that's a, Pretty good combination, and and a guy that I think deserves some mentioning, even though it wasn't overly impressive of a stat line. Yeah, most certainly. I'll agree with that. Who do you got for your dud? Uh, I'm going to go Urias, just because one of 11 was seven strikeouts after they say, the Brewers just say, here, Urias, Urias um, you're, you're the starting shortstop for whatever 156 games, whatever is left, you're the shortstop. So we need you to play well. And we get a one of 11 with seven strikeouts. We can have series of one for 11, but we cannot have seven strikeouts. Come on, put the ball in play. Yeah. For a guy who is viewed as a very good hitter in as a prospect. Yikes. That is Certainly not good. So hopefully you can turn that around. I think you're going to yell at me for my dud because I kind of mentioned it before we started recording, but I am going to do my dud as Devin Williams. Oh, duck. Oh, I hate to do it, but on the series, he goes 1.2 innings pitched, two hits allowed, two walks, did hit a batter, and gave up a home run to Jock Peterson, which was a tying run. Struck out three batters, but just not overall impressed with his command or how he's looked in these first two outings. So hopefully this dud kicks him into gear. That's really what I'm trying to get at here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've done this in the past. I think for the first, like, three or four series that Christian Yelich really struggled last year, I always picked him or Hira to try to get their ass in gear. And it worked like the first two times, and then that was it. <laughs> um, but hopefully this works once, and we never put him on the dud list again. Because unfortunately, I think it's fair that you put him on there. Because this studs and duds, or MVP and duds, is relative, right? If Christian Yelich goes 1 for 10 with 5 strikeouts, 
he's going to get the dud, but or you know two for ten with five strikeouts, whatever. If he has a stat line like that in this series, and Urias has a stat line like that in this series, I'm going to have Yelich be the dud over Urias, right? So it is relative. So the fact that Devin Williams has our hopes up and and what we expect from him is sky high and he pitches like this that's that's gonna happen right you know he based on what we're expecting from him I think that's definitely a fair um spot for him I already mentioned my other honorable mentions the guys that didn't get hits Colton Wong Keston Hira JBJ are my my three honorable duds I want to give a shout out to a dud on the Cubs side, and that's Wilson Contreras. Yeah, because, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he gets beamed in the head, which he can't do anything about, and that was scary, right? But then the rest of his at bats, there was a pit, there's a video on Twitter, like it's an out pitch on the outside corner, and is he's leaning over his elbows like three quarters of the way over the plate, like you're just asking for trouble, you stupid shithead. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's Wilson Contreras for you. <laughs> yeah, I've never been a fan of him. Yeah. I hope he never gets close to being hit in the head again because that's always scary. But, yeah, when he was hit in the shoulder and then he's just absolutely complaining and, yeah, I am over him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, and I just... I just Googled or Googled search Wilson Contreras on Twitter to see that video. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Oh my Unreal. Gosh. <laughs> wow. Ugh. All right. Well, we could bash on Contreras all day, but we got the Cardinals coming up here next. So it is three games over the course of four days. So the opener is on Thursday. That is a 315 pitch. It is the Cardinals opening day. So they have the day off on Friday to protect the opener from rain or whatever stupid things the MLB does like that. And then games two will be, uh, or games two and three will be on Saturday and Sunday. Those are both 115 first pitches. We will see Burns versus Wainwright on Thursday, Hauser versus Martinez Saturday, and then Brett Anderson versus Ponce D. Lone on Sunday. The uh, Cardinals are coming in off a sweep of the Marlins. They're at four and two. Uh, their pitching starting to come in a little bit of form. They opened the the year up against the Reds, and they gave up 27 runs in that series. And now against the Marlins, they gave up just three runs. So typical Cardinals having some strong pitching here. They'll likely play us tough. Is there anything in particular you're looking for in this Cardinals series at all? I am looking for that solid offense, you know, that consistent offense, the one that, you know, has more than – two guys that we can really talk about outside of Christian Yelich that had a decent series because it was Nervias and Kane this series. I want to talk about three, four, five guys instead of just two outside of Christian Yelich. And so that leans on guys like my honorable mentions, Colton Wong, Keston Hira, JBJ. I think that also Urias, I think, is also in that realm as well. They, they really just... Let's go out, let's get base hits, and let's figure this out. Let's put the ball in play. Make them make some plays and don't just get, you know, half of your at-bats strikeouts. I don't want to see that anymore. Christian Yelich, Keston Hero, JBJ, Urias, you guys stop striking out so much. 
because that would make me feel a lot better about here at JBJ and Urias if they had like three less strikeouts each. That would that would make me feel much better. So let's put the ball in play. Let's hopefully you know get some hits that way. You get the ball in play. It's a lot better than staring at it in the back of the catcher's mitt. So let's definitely get the ball in play and stop striking out so damn much. And that includes Christian Yelich. Is that too much to ask for? Come on. <laughs> and this Cardinals team is going to make you string hits together too. That's just what they do. So you're going to need to, to put them all on, on base here. For me, I'm looking forward to the Burns versus Wainwright matchup just because it's like a battle of the extremes. you got Corbin Burns who will be chucking 96 to 98 and throwing insane cutters. And then Adam Wainwright relies on a 70-mile-per-hour curveball most of the time. So that's going to be really cool to watch. But it should be a good battle regardless because Adam Wainwright's still a phenomenal pitcher even though he's a cardinal and it pains me to say that so I'm looking forward to that matchup but as you know we'll be back here after that series so we'll have a new podcast coming out on Monday the 12th we'll recap all of the action from over the weekend make sure you're checking out reviewing the brew and Wisconsin sports heroics stay up to date with all of our articles check out the Packers trilogy podcast Um, watch Aaron Rodgers play some Jeopardy so stay in contact with your Wisconsin sports here and we will uh, talk to you after the Cardinal series Brewer fans trust in Stearns